Welcome back, everyone, to episode 78 of Classic The Return. This is Classic, Classic Elder Scrolls, brought to you by, proudly by the Quest Gaming Network, available for download on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, and of course, QuestGamingNetwork.com. Today's record date is Tiridos. Mid-year the 26th, and I am your host and fellow Tamrielic Traveler, and am proud to bring you once again the man who is foretold in the Elder Scrolls, Mike, the Tamrielic Historian. Don't worry, the Potato Face will be here the entire game play tonight. We are in Oblivion. We can't deal with the game, the Potato Face, sorry, but hopefully he doesn't choose an orc. <laughs> but I make no promises on what Varwin does. On what, on what gets put together here today in Oblivion? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, also, if the game crashes, guys, on the live stream, I, I sincerely apologize. Because <laughs> uh, you never know what's going to You never happen. know with Oblivion. Exactly. You never really know. Uh, also, I think I may need to increase the volume just a little bit here. So let's uh, let's work on that a little bit. Yeah, I probably do. Probably do. Just bring that up. Mike, if it gets a little too loud and you can't hear me, just let me know, all right? Okay, I'll just scream over the top of the volume. That's all. Take that. <laughs> Uh, you can watch us live right here on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash questgamingnetwork. And you can also reach out to us on Twitter at Elder Scrolls OTR, on Facebook at Facebook, uh, at, uh, at Elder Scrolls Off the Record on Facebook. And of course, email us, Elder Scrolls Off the Record at gmail.com. Mike, what are we doing today? Well, if my talk of potato faces hasn't, uh, uh, revealed it already. We are playing Elder Scrolls for Oblivion. We are going to make a brand new character. We are going to get him through the sewers. Uh, maybe if we're lucky, actually get to Wayne and Priory, and we're going to discuss the blades. Yeah. We have a fast question. We have Tamrielic holidays and some feedback. But first, something quick to mention. That for those right. of you who play ESO and who logged in and played from June fifteenth to June seventeenth, you should have been given their new Sigic Crown Crates to open this past Wednesday, June 20th. Did you get lucky? And we mean by what was in the Crown Crates. Oh. Uh, did you get uh, an Apex reward? And uh, for the first time ever, I actually can say, yes, I did. Did you? Get lucky and get an Apex reward. I got the Scar Sky Fire Guar mount. Okay. So, All right. You know. And how do, you, how do you like that mount? I don't know. He looks kind of weird. He looks like he's right out of the 80s with that pink and purple or pink and blue, you know, coloration that the 80s was known for. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. I also got two emotes, the Showtime emote and Flip the Bird. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you, everyone's been getting like some like really cool uh, stuff out of these these Sigic uh, crown crates that they got for free. Yeah, I, I got nothing but but mimic stones and, and poisons uh, that I just decomped into crowns crown gems yeah the last one that they had where um there was that that big week-long one that's all i got it was all garbage in those and i got like a hundred and something gems out of that one yeah yeah uh i think same thing for me as well <laughs> yeah so I, I mean i'm literally charlie brown with these things you know <laughs> i get I the rock <laughs> All right, and uh, speaking of the Blades, Mike, what else do we have that's quick to mention? And don't forget to pre-register for the new Elder Scrolls mobile game coming this year. The um, App Store said September 1st. Yes. Elder Scrolls Blades, yes, either yes. on iTunes or Google Play Store. 
More information at elderscrolls.com. I am so pumped for Blades, man. So pumped. I'll tell you, you know, when they announced it at uh, BE3, I really thought that was like the end-all be-all and was just really excited to see what they were doing with that. And then it just completely got overshadowed with that little trailer that we've spent two weeks analyzing now. I'm really not sure what you're talking about. Oh, my God, Elder Scrolls 6! <laughs> At all whatsoever. I have no idea what you're t- referring to. <laughs> there might be a little, just a, a little bit. This might, be my, this might be my normal until this game comes out. This might be it. Like, there's so many, like, life events. <laughs> What's that? Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs until Elder Scrolls 6 comes out? Pretty much. Or because I, it will come out? Not, well, both. <laughs> both. Like, that's how hyped and excited that I am for it. I mean, I have so many life events that are coming up and getting married. Jenny and I are likely going to start having children in the next, you know, year, year and a half. Uh, just from now. Just from now. Um, I, I mean, every one of them, I mean, it's just going to be like... I feel bad for her and our infants because uh, someone's going to mention Elder Scrolls Six, and people like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> I think that you know, from now on, we need to start referring to your soon-to-be wife as Lydia. Lydia, because she'll be sworn to carry your burdens throughout all of this craziness. <laughs> <laughs> ain't that, ain't that the truth? <laughs> poor, poor Jenny. We already had that discussion. I'm like, you're not excited enough. She's like, it's just a trailer. I'm like, oh! <laughs> it's just a trailer. What? What? Oh, what? <laughs> yeah. It was... Anyway. So. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, I mean. Uh, yeah. I, we we have not really had the chance to to do classic in months. Uh, we are back. We're excited. Obviously, I mean, I'm over the top excited, and, and I know Mike is too, but he buttons himself up like a, like an adult, whereas I just, you know, shit the floor like a five-year-old. So, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> good to be back. Who on the wall. <laughs> right, right. Good to, good to be back. Uh, Mike, what have you been doing in game lately? So, um, I have been playing a lot of Skyrim, actually. Uh, I have a character, and you might have heard of him, Archer, Sterling Archer. Uh, in Skyrim, he's a, uh, a Breton who has a drinking problem, and he is completing the Thieves Guild and Dark Brotherhood quests all while playing survival mode and drinking everything that he comes across. So if he finds a bottle of Nord Mead, he drinks it. Okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so it it's actually makes it even more challenging to play a drunk character using the survival mode. Um, so I... The last time I'd played him, I'd completed the quest in Ironbind Barrow uh, for the axe with the fiery soul trap. And I returned to the Nightingale Inn to sleep off the cold and fatigue and to drink whatever else I could find. From there, I made it to Anja's Mill to eliminate a nuisance loiterer in the contract Kill Adonis Pappas. Uh, and then from there, I went to Windhelm to wreak some Dark Brotherhood vengeance on Clan Shattershield. Uh, during that time there, you're commissioned to... You're commissioned to meet with Muri in the Hag's Cure in Markarth, and she tells the tale of growing up in Windhelm with Nilsine Shattershield. And after Nilsine's sister was killed, Murray met Aiden Dufont, and, or Elaine Dufont, and he used her friendship uh, with the clan to attempt to steal the clan's valuables, including the family heirloom, um, Angus Bane. 
once the plan was discovered, the Shadow Shields accused him, uh, accused this woman of being an accomplice in the crime and drove her from Windhelm to Markarth. While there, she planned to kill everyone for revenge, and she even spo- um, brewed up two special potions, potions for poisons for the occasion. So Archer, dr- the drunk Nord, uh, walks into town, and there's already a homicidal maniac on the loose. And uh, for everyone who's ever played Skyrim, they know this is the worst quest on the face of the planet, Blood on the Ice, because oh, yeah. it's always bugged out. And I even had to actually reload to figure out what the hell was going on, because it still was buggy, even with the special edition. And I said, you know what? Skyrim is not big enough for two homicidal maniacs. Uh, but I figured, you know what? I take care of Clan Shattershield. That way I could pin the murder of uh, the second sister on this homicidal maniac. And so that's what I did. And then I finished Blood on the Ice. I drank more mead. And then I was off to Rabatha to kill Mr. Dufont. And that's where I ended it. Him dead and me deciding, do I go deeper into this ruin or do I go back and collect my reward from the Dark Brotherhood? Uh Uh-huh. And what did you uh, decide? Uh, I stepped into the ruin because I need some soul gems. So I figure all of those uh, constructs would uh, generate quite a plethora of soul gems for me to fill now that I have uh, the enchantment, the fiery soul trap that I can put on a bow. Okay. So that's where I am. But I also made another really cool uh, find. So remember last time that uh, you heard about me playing another game, it was the South Park uh, uh, game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, was that? Where you play as the Dragonborn. Well, I found another game. And this one is Rocksmith, where you learn to play guitar, either six string or bass. And if you buy it for the computer, and right now it's on sale on Steam as part of the Steam Summer Sale, you can then go to uh, a, a website called Custom Forge, where you can download any song that is not being sold as official DLC. And on there, they have a whole section of Jeremy Soul and Maluka. And so I am here. learning to play Maluka, the Dragonborn Comet. I suck at the six string, but you have to start somewhere, and you have to start at some age. So even if you, you know, have never picked up a guitar before. You know, this is a great way to get into it, no matter how old or how young you are, how much experience you have. And it's really cool being able to learn to play things like uh, the Bannered Mare song, the Streets of White Run, or the Dragonborn Cometh uh, on the guitar. So that's something else I've been doing. Oh, well, that's that's pretty cool, man. I like that. So how's, the, uh, how's that going for you? I am horrible at it. Uh, but I am really good at playing Maroon 5 songs on the bass. <laughs> <laughs> Which is good because, you know, the chicks dig Maroon 5. They... Adam Levine is one of the sexiest men out there, so, you know, can't hurt to learn how to play his music. Yeah, you think so? Yeah. Yeah? You're, you, you're into him? Yeah. 10 out of 10 would do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just the revelations that Mike and I get from each other every week. <laughs> it's really what podcasting is all about. <laughs> He's way good. sexier than Ozzy Osbourne, that's for sure. Well, look, I mean, <laughs> listen, all all jokes aside, you know, I uh, I got to be honest with you, he's 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 a handsome dude. I I definitely agree. Um, yeah. So I could I could see it. You know, I could see why girls are love songs. So you know, chicks dig love songs. Yeah, <laughs> and he he looks like he means it so much, though, the, despite the fact that he's probably you know 
cheating on his wife left and right, that old dog. <laughs> You'd be surprised. Well, all of the, you know, I wouldn't be surprised anything out of Hollywood or, you know, L.A. music scene, you know. Yeah. It's the craziest. I found out that, you know, there's a track, uh, a background track down a Guns N' Roses uh, song where, um, let's just say, one band member was sleeping with the girlfriend of another band member and recording it, and they put it on the song. Oh, shit, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's, <laughs> that's like, not even... That's not cool at all. That's it's not like, cool at all. Dude, I'm banging your girlfriend, and we're going to put it on the song. <laughs> oh, wow. No, that's, that's like, dude. I mean, could you imagine if, like, a friend of yours did that to you? Like, oh, yeah. Holy shit, man! Like I don't, I don't take that kind of. Anyway, listen, yeah. that's, that's 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 bullshit. But anyway, uh, yeah, here we are. We're we're back with classic, and we're in oblivion. I'm making uh, I'm making my character, and uh, I think uh, I think we've got him. Well, he doesn't look like he's a sack of potatoes, so that's a good thing. Yeah, a little bit better looking than a sack of potatoes, I think. You know, not too sure about the green eyes though. Might might go with something a little bit different. But uh, yeah, he's an imperial. Um, and I, so I'll, I'll read this out to you guys. Uh, native natives of the civilized cosmopolitan province of Cyrodiil, uh, they have proved to be shrewd diplomats and traders. They are skilled with heavy armor and in social skills, and tend to favor the warrior classes. So uh, that's what I'm going with uh, with this playthrough right now. It's just straight up, straight up warrior. And uh, I was actually thinking about going um, Breton. Because I was thinking maybe about doing like a spell sword. I don't know. Well, yeah. Um, he's not going to be the 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 heir to, uh, to to septum, so you can make him anything you want, as long as he's not a green sack of potatoes. Exactly. Here's the thing, though. Like I, I was very careful about about you know facial features and whatnot while you were chatting. If I go to if I go to Breton, I'm going to lose everything. That I just did. Yep. Yeah, so he's going to be an Imperial. <laughs> With blue eyes, and that's it. His name is Marlowe. Are you sure you want to be an Imperial? Yes, I do. So there it is. So there it is. Uh, we've got Marlowe. I just want to make sure that the... Um, uh, let's see, the voice volume's all the way down because we don't need that competing with us. So I'm reading through the chat here as you're making this, and I have to, to laugh. Uh, there's a comment here that says that I hope his I hope his firstborn is not named ES6. <laughs> oh, you didn't know we're gonna name the we're naming the child uh, ES6. We came up with that name um, just a few weeks ago, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it was announced, you know, at, 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 in California at a major convention. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, a friend of mine. Uh, uh, Mr. Howard, first name Todd, R really good guy, <laughs> bit of a potty mouth. He <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, um, just to, just to sort of follow up on on last week's uh, ESOTR, it was what two hundred and eleven we did. Um, two eleven, that was the episode number. Uh, let me re-log in here without losing my other document. Yeah, pretty sure. Yes, two hundred eleven. Yeah. Uh, so Liz was like, you know, no, I'm not letting you get rid of Thor, uh, in, in Skyrim. You know, uh, I want you to follow this through. I want you to see this through. I want you to figure this out. Cause I was talking about how I, I built this character 
uh, to be as, as much like Thor as, as Skyrim uh, would allow. And um, I thought I kind of hit a nice sort of like, uh, I guess, like balance there between lightning magic and heavy armor and melee weapons. But when I fought a dragon, there's no defensive ability that I have. So it became very difficult. Well, I was streaming last night and I was thinking to myself, um, I streamed for like three hours yesterday and I was thinking to myself, wow. yeah, I want to, I want to do this. Like I, I, I was really surprised and taken aback at, at, at Liz and she was like, you're, she's like, no, no, I'm not, I'm not, no, no, you're going, you're going, you're going to figure this out. So I'm like, all right, okay. So then I set my mind to it and you know what? I did figure it out. And so, uh-huh. What do you got to do? Uh, are, you fart, are you farting lightning bolts and, you know, what, what, how's the thing go from Braveheart? <laughs> Where William Wallace, you know. <laughs> oh, God. I, I, oh, I barely remember. It's like. It's like it, 10 foot tall and he farts lightning bolts. Lightning or bolts coming out of my arse. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought William Wallace were here. <laughs> um, so. What I what I have been doing is I've been using the terrain around me as cover. And not only did I kill the dragon that, that I was stumped on um, by using a combination of of um, thunder uh, uh, thunder thunder strike or lightning strike. Mm -hmm. It's it's the one up from sparks. So you get sparks and then it's Is it lightning bolt? Lightning bolt, that's what it is. Um, using a combination of that and and just kind of like ducking and running and, and getting in into other places and, and hiding and and then you know turning a corner and line of sighting the dragon um, I defeated the dragon and then I was roaming around and there was another dragon and doing the same thing I defeated that dragon too that's and cool you know the only thing I would say though is you know you're, you're not doing it right you gotta go get Barabbas and have the dog attack the dragons for you. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Barabbas. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's kind of how kind of how I did that, and um, it's been working out really well for me. Um, I got him up from uh, he was level seven when I started last night. He's now uh, up to halfway through ten, maybe almost eleven. And uh, every I, I would say everyone in the chat room that's there right now, everyone saw it happen in real time. Nice. I know Ishabu was there, Ninth Pawn, Gilgamesh, you know, all these folks. Look at Ish <laughs> Ishabu. Thor kicked the dragon's ass last night. <laughs> um, definitely true. So anyway, that's that's kind of like uh, the gameplay that uh, that I've been most... I've got more, but um, I think we should probably kind of move on with... Uh, if there, Unless there's anything else you got on your side, kind of move no, on. No, I've, you know, other than, you know, some Skyrim stuff, that stuff in Skyrim and just basic ESO login for the daily quest stuff because for those that play ESO if you haven't logged in on a regular basis recently they've gone to daily rewards yeah so every day you log in you get a new reward and uh, like you, I think I got the fox recently okay what does the fox say I don't know because I still use my guar well he says <laughs> I hope that joke should have been made but it was <laughs> Um, Alright, so let me let me pause the action here for a minute and just let you know, uh, before we get into the history of, 
all of the things that Tamriel has been celebrating this week in Tamrielic holidays, such as Dancing Day, mid-year the 23rd. Dancing Day is a time-honored holiday in Daggerfall. Who started it? It's questionable. But the Red Prince, Atreic, popularized it in the Second Era. It's an occasion of great pomp and merriment for all the people of Daggerfall, from the nobles on down. And Tybetha, mid-year the 24th. Ah, yes, Tybetha. What'd you do for Tybetha, Mike? Um, that was that, what, two days ago? <laughs> I, can't, I can't talk about that, what I did. Oh, 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 hey, all right. Mike spent it well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sadly, uh, I was at work. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Tibetha is a Middle Tamriel is Middle Tamrielic for Tiber's Day. It's not surprising that the Lordom of Alcare celebrates its most famous native with a great party. Historically, Tiber Septim never returned once to his beloved birthplace. However, there are rumors, of course, of him spreading the uh, the Septim Dynasty onto some orcs. Yeah. So who knows? Not, not that good. I did find out who uh, 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 started Dancing Day, though. Uh, this guy named Jimmy Page and his friend Robert Plant. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Weren't they? Uh, they were in that huge uh, Zeppelin, right? The lead one. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> All right. Uh, are we off their album Houses of the Holy? <laughs> I think. Uh... I think maybe we're done with our cringe, our cringe-worthy dad jokes for our listeners. <laughs> oh damn! I know, I know. I'm just, I, you have to. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. We're just so excited to finally be back with classic. You know, it's like we're we're having fun. But uh, but anyway, here we are, and I'm crawling through the sewers, and uh, Mike is right next to me with the microphone and the uh, and the book of of Tamriel's lore as he jumps into the history of. Uh, you might be wondering why we're playing Oblivion. Well, Oblivion starts out with you in jail, uh, and the Emperor shows up with his bodyguards, who are the Blades. And they're going to escort him through out the sewers, and you have to follow along because, well, supposedly the Emperor's seen you in a dream. And we wanted to talk about the Blades because during this year's BE3, it was announced that a new mobile game was going to be released by Bethesda Game Studios in the Elder Scrolls series called The Elder Scrolls Blades and expected to be available in your app store by September. You can pre-register now at Bethesda.net and in your app store for pre-order. In The Elder Scrolls Blades, you are a member of the ancient order of the Blades, forced into exile. You seek refuge in your remote hometown only to find that it's been reduced to rubble. Now it is up to you to restore your town back to its former glory. So in today's episode, we'll be taking a look at this ancient order. So if we go first to the UESP page, which is always a good place to start, oh, yeah. uh, we find a quote here from Joffrey, the Grand Master of the Blades. The Blades are sworn to the service of the Emperor as the mortal representatives of the dragon blood of the divine Talos. Okay, that's great, but what do we really have here? Well, the Blades are a member of an elite imperial order dedicated to the protection and the service of the dragonborn emperors of Tamriel, descended from the Akaviri Dragon Guard, who came became the personal bodyguards of Emperor Raymond I. The Blades have since diversified into many areas of imperial espionage, military, and diplomacy. Indeed, while a select few were appointed by the Emperor to serve 
openly as diplomats or bodyguards. The majority of the Blade's agents acted covertly as couriers and spies, serving as the Emperor's eyes and ears. A vast network of Blades have influenced many critical events throughout Tamriel, such as the reassembling of the Golem, Numidium, and defeating of Dagathur. The arms, armor, architecture, and customs of the Blades reflect the Akaviri heritage, most famously, their distinctive Akaveri katanas, which I do believe you picked up one. Yeah, I'm actually using one right now, and I wanted to show it. Um, it is it me, or does my character kind of look like a like a crazy like MMO Korean MMO like dude? <laughs> Doesn't he? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> at least he doesn't have arrow sticking out of him yet. Uh, not yet. Not yet. Sit tight, folks. <laughs> Not yet, but yeah, this is this is the uh, Akaviri type uh, katana, right here. Yep. The order operated several strongholds, including temples, usually located in commanding positions among the mountains. Known examples include the Cog Ruler Temple in Cyrodiil and Sky Haven Temple in Skyrim. So the first time, and this is surprising, is in the book organizations from the game dun, 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 Arena. Hey! So, librarian comment. This page lists the guilds and organizations you can encounter during Arena. The quoted section at the start of each of the descriptions given about the games in the game's manual. The line below are taken from the game's data and are given to the player when they run into an opponent from each organization. So, under the subsection Blades. A secret society comprised of the best warriors of the Empire. The Blades approach whomever they wish for membership. None... None know exactly what their ultimate goals are, for they have been seen on both sides of the law, sometimes helping those in need, and other times attacking caravans or wealthy merchants. All that is known is that they are deadly in combat, trained by special swordsmasters to a point where their thought and reaction are one. If this opponent is truly an agent of the Blades, you know you will be facing a worthy adversary indeed. The opponent barring your path is obviously an agent of the Blades, and no mercenary, for there is a telltale scar over the opponent's right eye. This is no ordinary opponent that you see from the start. You notice a scar above the opponent's right eye, the symbol of the Blades. So, they were in um, Arena, but interestingly, all of the accounts keep talking about this scar over their right eye yeah. that denotes them as members of the Blades, which is something that... I don't know if it had to do with uh, the way the game's engine functioned after a while when they went from sprites and, you know, descriptive dialogue to actually having fully, you know, organized and characterized uh, uh, opponents that maybe it just was a little too hard to uh, um, put scars on some of the characters in Morrowind and Oblivion. They just dropped it completely. I'll tell you what, though, uh, in, in character... Uh... In character creation, I do know that usually uh, you can choose to have uh, a scar on on like one side of of the face in Elder Scrolls. Yep. And uh, I, I can never tell if it's, it's if it's normally on the right or not. But um, like I can't remember. But I, I do remember thinking at one time like every Elder Scrolls game it's got this this like prominent scar, and it's always like it's like always. On the right side, it's like either the right or the left side. It's like always on that side of the face. I never knew why, and I'm wondering if maybe this is the reason why. Maybe. If you want to have like your character be like the typical, like fr wow, 
Wow, I just hit that I hit that rat right in the ass with uh <laughs> with the fireball as he was coming up the stairs. I was on top of this blasted him up the stairs. Yeah, this little terrace here and he was just about to line of sight me on on some stairs and I hit him right in the ass before he could. <laughs> it launched him into oblivion. <laughs> Sorry. We got to thank Drunken Chewy who just subscribed with a tier 1 sub. Drunken Chewy subscribed for 7 months seven in a row. Months. Yes, thank you so much. Huge. Thank you, thank you. I uh, I didn't want to interrupt you when uh, when you were talking, but yeah, pretty pretty epic stuff. Thank you, yeah. Chewie. So the next time we see the blades is in a book called The Warp in the West from the game Oblivion. Uh, it doesn't mean that we don't see them in game in Daggerfall or in uh, um, Morrowind because we actually report to a blades agent in Morrowind uh, for a large portion of the quest line. But in terms of books, The Warp in the West is the next time we really encounter one. Uh, it is uh, in Oblivion, um, Ulvius Tarot, a report compiled uh, by the Blades Archivist, secret for your eyes only. And now I'm going to produce it and send it all over the internet. <laughs> Let me offer my congratulations to your lordship for your recent appointment as ambassador to the court of Wayrus. Your Lordship asked me for a review of existing Blades accounts from the Third Era 417 concerning the Warp in the West, and for a summary of the current state of affairs there. Since Your Lordship was in Blackmarsh serving as the staff of Admiral Sorsos at the time, you probably know of these events only from the Imperial Proclamations and the Chapel Declarations, which identify this period as the Miracle of Peace. During the Miracle of Peace, according to official accounts, a formerly war-wracked Iliac Bay region was transformed overnight from a patchwork of scrabbling ducheries and petty kingdoms to a peaceful modern country of Hammerfell, Sentinel, Wayrest, and Orsinium. The Miracle of Peace, also known as the Warp in the West, is celebrated as the product of a miraculous intervention of Stendar, Mara, and Akatosh to transform these troublesome regions into peaceful, well-governed imperial countries. The catastrophic destruction of landscape and property and the large loss of life attending upon the miracle is understood to have been tragic beyond mortal comprehension. And much of this account confirms and validates the current borders of these countries and identifies the rulers and boundaries of these countries as ordinary by the nine. The miracle of peace serves imperial objectives of peaceful consolidation and ancient petty states and sovereigns into a manageable imperial jurisdiction. The other remarkable feature of these events, mass disappearance, armies mysteriously transported hundreds of miles completely annihilated, titanic storms and celestial phenomenon, apparently local discontinuities of time, fit comfortably into the notion that these events are part of a vast mysterious divine intervention. However, this is the only public account of these events, and as you may suspect, it conflicts with many other accounts. In short, while this explanation suits imperial policy, it has very little historical validity. Your lordship knows that the Blades have concluded that there is no plausible historic account of these events, and despairs that the plausible historic accounts shall ever be produced. The Blades have concluded that a miracle occurred, insofar as the events are inexplicable. But the Blades strongly doubt the miracle was of divine origin. 
There is good reason to believe that the ruling families of the four modern Iliac countries had forewarning of the event. There is also some evidence that some of these ruling families may have been directly or indirectly responsible for the events. We do not know the exact sequence of actions that produced the events, although we are confident that the totem artifact was involved and that a Blades agent was involved in employing the artifact. We unfortunately lost contact with the agent immediately after the event. His report may have gone some way to resolving the contradictory and paradoxical events accounts of the event. The Blades have a file have on file few reports from agents dating from the warps of the West period. Most of our agents were lost in the initial dislocation, and others were lost in the confusion after the event. I present a few of these reports to give you a general sense of their limitation, including the report of your diplomatic predecessor, Lord Strahl. You will have had access to other private and rumored accounts of the period. I believe you will agree that these documents raise more questions than they answer. So, just from that, we can already see that you know the Blades were definitely highly involved in uh, the events of Daggerfall. So now we have them as an opponent in Arena, directly influencing the events of Daggerfall. We know that they're directly involved in the events in Morrowind. And we're here in Oblivion where they kind of botch the entire thing uh, and... <laughs> Drop the ball. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, you had one job! Yeah, yeah, one, one job. job. Late. And that was to protect the Emperor. Yeah. There's the emperor is dead, and there is nowhere that's never happened. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Lotus of Doom, thank you very much for the uh, 100, uh, 100 bit cheer. Uh, we're getting nice. so much support, Mike. It's it's really nice. Um, but yeah, um, for those of you out there who who are interested in in maybe getting a, a little bit of a taste of what um what's really going on here with the warp in the west the the meta out game out 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 of game description on this is is basically you could and this is this is all on on how daggerfall resolves its many different plot threads um because of all of the freedom that you have in daggerfall to reserve uh, uh resolve the the plot um Bethesda uh, really struggled to find a way to say, like, okay, what's, what's like, one plot thread? What's the one resolution that, that we want to go with on the actual canon resolution of, of Daggerfall? And they couldn't come up with one. Um, one that, that would make more sense over others, and then one that would, you know, uh, keep the fan base happier over others. So essentially what they did was they basically said that they invented this thing called the Dragon Break, which is essentially what the Warden Warp in the West is. And the Dragon Break is uh, when Akatosh sort of just says that all, who's, who's the, the um, essentially the god of time, um, saying that all, all resolutions happened simultaneously and came to a, a fixed point in time in which normal time starts back up again. 
So that's now it'll be interesting to see what they do because in uh, Oblivion and in Morrowind, they really, you know, were, were very careful about like, you know, not having too many loose ends at the end of the games. Uh, there's a couple of things here and there that, you know, you know, are, are little things, um, that, but nothing as bad as what happened in Daggerfall with the Warp in the West. Um, but it'll be interesting because um, Skyrim has some huge ending issues that, um, depending on how you play and everything, really could make it so that they might have to have another dragon break um, because of it. And, you know, for more on dragon break, our episodes 64, 65, and 66 really covered what was the dragon break and Daggerfall uh, uh, in depth. So if you're you know interested in more on the Warp in the West and the Dragon Breaks, those are our three episodes of Classic, if you wow. want to go back and listen to those. Are we really getting to the point now where we bring up, like, casually bring up lore topics? And we're like, you know what, there's a Classic on that. Yeah, I've got a, a spreadsheet here of all 78 of our episodes, including, like, you know, what cities we've been to, what deities we've talked about, what... Uh, Daedric Princes, what types of monsters, uh, the guilds that we have talked about. Uh, so, like, we have talked about the Fighters Guild, the Dark Brotherhood, the Morigtong, the Thieves Guild, the Mages Guild, the Blades now, and the Bards College. Uh, Lycanthropes, Vampires, and Witches. Nocturnal, Hermaeus Mora, Mafala, Sheagorath, Talos, the cities of Anvil, Chaden Hall, Imperial City, Breville, Orsinium, Falkreath. Uh, the races, including Dwemer, Iliads, Orsimer, Argonians, the Great Houses of the Dunmer, wow. the Nords, and the Altmer. There's a classic on that. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to have to change it from there's a mod for that to there's a classic on that. <laughs> so, yeah. It's cool. Um, all right. Okay. Oops. Oh, I'm getting attacked here. Uh, you're still fighting goblins. Okay. Yeah. So. Still, still fighting the goblins. Okay, so we're not at the point where you know we have to talk. We see more blades to action then. Okay, so the next book is in Skyrim: The Rise and Fall of the Blades. It's an anonymous author. There are many still, many that still remember the blades. There are fewer that can pass down their stories, their origins, and their downfall. My father could. In his proudest moments, he said to me, "You keep secret like the blades." The Blades were good at keeping secret. They didn't write down much. They passed information carefully between their spies in every province. To their elite members that protected the Emperor, even amongst their members, they kept much secret. Most associate the Blades with their ceremonial Akaviri armor and curved longswords. One can trace the Blades back to the fiercest warriors of Akavir, the Dragon Guard. It was there, just as they would do in Tamriel, that they protect the rulers of their kingdom. But recent discoveries show it to be much more than that. Many classic texts tell of an adventures to Akavir, known as the Dragonlands in the East. Many from Tamriel have attempted to conquer it, most famously Emperor Uriel V and his 10th legion in 3rd era 88 as documented in the Imperial Dispatch Disaster from Elonath. Dragons 
have long been legends in Akabir, and many believe that their brief appearance in Tamriel's history are those that escaped Akabir. For it was there that they were hunted and killed off by the Dragon Guard. The Dragon Guard would follow those that fled to Tamriel in the late First Era. Invading from the north, the Dragon Guard met not only dragons, but the men of Skyrim, who don't meet invasions with pitchers of mead. The Dragon Guard cut a path through Skyrim, and it was not until that they were stopped by Raymond Cyrodiil during the Battle of the Pale Pass that the invasion came to an end. It was Remen who united the human lands of Cyrodiil and defeated the Akaviri invaders. Remen is one of the most documented and widely accepted of the mythic dragonborn, those anointed by Akatosh and Alicia themselves, born with the soul of a dragon, is what this followers would say. Reports differ widely on the nature of the Battle of Pale Pass, but the end results are the same that the remaining dragon guard, upon hearing the voice of Remen Cyrodiil, knelt and swore their lives to him, their conqueror and savior. Fragments from the first era text refer to the warriors dropping to their knees, saying, we were not hunting or did not intend, as the author roughly translates, continuing, we have been searching for you. They protected Remen with their lives, as well as his descendants and the Remen dynasty ushered in Tamriel's second era. It was through these years that their reach extended and their order grew to became to grew to became the blades. Their conquest of the dragons complete, they only sought to protect the dragonborn, and through him the Empire. They reached their height during the third era under the rule of the Septim Emperors. Despite their numbers, they kept their secrecy. The most visible and well documented were the members who personally guarded the Emperor still wearing the original Akaviri armor, but what? But that was just the tip of the spear, for the Blades were a larger organization, stretching to every corner of Tamriel. These agents were of every race. They were merchants, thieves, craftsmen, mage, and warrior, all acting as spies, protecting the Empire as needed, and operating in secret. They often acted alone, but some Fragments speak of them meeting in secret fortresses across the continent, the most famous being Cyrodiil's Cloud Ruler Temple, where they hung the swords of those slain protecting the dragonborn. Other maps speak of Windsour Temple under the great expanse of Hammerfeld's Akabir Desert, Sky Haven Temple in the mountains of Skyrim, and Storm, Tem- Storm Talon Temple east of Wayrest. They were known to have a Grand Master who often lived amongst the people, unknown to others. The nature of their communications, meeting places, and missions were known only to a few elite members. The only two to know were all the Grand Master were to know all were the Grand Master and the, the Chronicler, whose only job was to make sure that the group's mission was never known, but never lost. With the death of Uriel Septim VII and his son Martin, the third era came to a close with the blades fortifying themselves deep within Cyrodiil's Cloud Ruler Temple, as they waited for a dragonborn to return when they would be called upon again. The Emperor Empire in the fourth era no longer saw the blades openly protecting it or the Emperors. That role is now filled by the Pentus 
Circularis, a purely imperial organization, but the Blades continue their secret work to watch for the Dragonborn and to guard against future enemies. The Blades were among the first to see the signs that the Thalmor and the Aldmeri Dominion would not remain isolated within their borders forever. They could do what the Pentalus serving the Imperial policy could not, and thus earn the lasting hatred of the Thalmor. The warning of the Blades were proved right, as is well known to all. The great war between the Empire and the Thalmor consumed the Empire and nearly destroyed it. Emperor Titus Mede II eventually brokered peace with the Thalmor, but at a price many of us still bear. The reach and destructive nature of the Thalmor is known to many. Authors note, and my family firsthand, they were not fools. They knew early that the Blades were an enemy, so they hunted them throughout the Great War. Some were killed defending their temples, others they slept in their hideaways alone. Some fought, some ran, some hid, but the Thalmor found them all. There are those that say the Blades still exist around us, in hiding from the Thalmor, waiting as they have done time and time again for the Dragonborn to return, for one to protect, for one to guide them. Hmm. The rise and fall of the Blades. Very, uh, very foreboding uh, and, and uh, foretelling of what happens in Skyrim as well. Really is. So now there was another book, and I couldn't find it. I remember hearing about it that talks about the Great War. Right. Here's, here's how, the Blades, by the way. Ah, and how one of the first like things open acts of, against the empire. The empire is like a guy shows up with a wagon, and come to find out, it's full of the heads of Blade uh, members that they had captured and executed. Oh. And they dumped it out on the palace floor. Gross. So you're back following the emperor now. Back following the emperor, and I've got uh, all the uh, all the blades here. I love how they're just like, oh, it's locked. It's a trap, and then they continue going like in the obvious direction. They don't like decide to double back where they know it's safe. They're just like, nah, it's cool, bro. We'll just keep going in the door in the direction in which the person who was trapping us would want us to go. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is where the blades drop the ball. <laughs> Right, They're right. down to two of them, the Emperor, and, you know, this guy that just keeps following them around, right. picking up their trash. There's a prisoner who's just picking up their, all their garbage. We're going to go outside and make a final stand. And, uh, yeah. I'm fighting these guys. Oh, 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 here comes, here's Emperor Uriel Septim. Talkity talk talk, chatting away. Uh, for for specialized super warriors, like they're kind of crappy at like doing their job. If two guys got past them, yeah, seriously, these guys suck. Oh shit! <laughs> 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 the, the lead blade just took that that uh, that, that de destruction spell I threw <laughs> right, in, <laughs> right on the butt. <sighs> All right. The Emperor's dead. That's it. We failed. I failed. The players are sworn. We <laughs> <laughs> failed. Everyone's dead. Um. So it just kind of feels like you know at this point the blades just kind of go under. Right. They they kind of yeah, like they, go underground. Yeah. They they go underground. They go into hiding. Uh, they're hunted by the Thalmor during the Great War. Uh, but we get to meet a couple blades. 
Uh, so from the Thalmor dossier uh, for Delphine. Uh, status is active. Capture or kill. High priority. Emissary level approval. Female Breton, mid-50s. Delphine was a high priority target during the first war. Notice that. The first war. Mm. For both operational and political reasons, she was directly involved in several of the most damaging operations carried out by the Blades within the Dominion. She had been identified and was slated for the initial purge, but by bad luck was recalled to Cyrodiil just before the outbreak of hostilities. During the war, she evaded three attempts on her life, in one case killing an entire assassination team. They didn't hire the Dark Brotherhood, that's why. Yeah. Since then, we have only indirect evidence of her movements, as she has been has proven extremely alert to our surveillance. She could, she should be considered very dangerous and no move against her should be made without overwhelming force and the most careful preparation. Operational notes. She is believed to still be working actively against us within Skyrim. Although we have no location on her, assumed to be working alone as no other blades are known to be active in Skyrim. She has in the past involved avoided contact with other fugitive blades for her own security one of the reasons she has so far evaded elimination her continued existence is an affront to all of us any information on her whereabouts or activity should be immediately forwarded to the third emissary so yeah kills off an entire assassination squad Damn. the Thalmor need to get better assassins I guess this has to get addressed I mean just, just looking at um, at Elder Scrolls 6 uh, it has to get addressed, this whole uh, Thalmor against the uh, the Empire uh, yeah. war that's that's been brewing. And especially now, this is one of those things that we that I was hinting at with the, the Dragon Break. If you're the Dragonborn, and the Blades are there to protect the Dragonborn Emperors, and the Emperor is dead, you have a legitimate claim to for the Emperorship, and they uh -huh. could literally put this forward... You know, 100 years, 200 years, 300 years into the future, and the person sitting on the empire on the throne could be a descendant of yours. Mm -hmm. That's. Uh, I think I I asked either. Uh, I think it was a, an episode of Classic or, or ESOTR. At one point, I had asked somebody. You know, is I think it was Mark. I asked him, is uh, is the Dragonborn technically the rightful heir to the throne? I don't know if you remember that or if you're around. Yeah, I mean, based on what we've seen with ESO now, I would have to say yes, because, you know, the dragon fires are, are quenched uh, after the events in Oblivion. Um, you know, theoretically, you have the ability as the dragonborn to restart the dragon fires to protect the, the world. Yeah, and that's that's what the that's what um, Akavir's uh, Akavir, uh, Akatosh's uh, that's what Akatosh's uh, pact with uh, Alessia and her bloodline was all about. Yeah. You know, your your bloodline, so long as you keep this pact between us and um yeah, between between us, uh then then forever your 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 rule your rule uh your your uh, bloodline will reign. Yeah. And you know, while it may not be a direct descendant, I mean, because you never know, like exactly how you know, especially in medieval times, how the descendants you know came about. Especially that comment about you know Talos having orc children. Uh, you know that it could literally, you could literally be a descend. Your character could be a descendant of Alessia, or it could be just the fact that you, as the Dragonborn, 
that it's not a, a direct bloodline, but a, a, a conceptual uh, inheritance. That as the dragonborn, that you are, you know, a, a descendant. Right, right. Yeah, simply because that, you know, you have, you know, the, uh, the blood of dragons in you, then you, you have the ability uh, to carry on this, this pact with uh, Akatosh. And, and relight those dragon fires. I like it. Yeah. I like it. So we have another dossier here for Esbern. Uh, Esbern. So, so, Esbern was one of the Blade's lore masters prior to the first war against the Empire. He was not a field agent, but is now believed to have been behind some of the most damaging operations carried out by the Blades during the pre-war years including the Falinesti incident and the breach of the Blue River Prison. His file had remained dormant for many years, an inexcusable error on the part of my predecessor, who has been recalled to Eleanor for punishment and re-education. In the erroneous belief that he was unlikely to pose a threat due to advanced age and lack of field experience. A salutatory reminder to all operational levels that no Blades agent should be considered low priority for any reason. All are to be found and justice exacted upon them. Operational notes. As we are still in the dark as to the cause and meaning of the return of the dragons, I have made capturing Esbern our top priority. He is known to be one of the experts on dragon lore of the Blades. Regrettably, we have yet to match their expertise on the subject of dragons, which is derived from their Akabiri origins and is still far superior to our own, which remains largely theoretical. The archive of Cloud Ruler Temple, which is believed to have been the primary repository of the oldest Blades lore, was largely destroyed during the siege, and although great effort has been made to reconstruct what was lost, it now appears that most of the records related to the dragons were either removed or destroyed prior to our attack. Thus, Esbern remains our best opportunity to learn how and why the dragons have returned. It cannot be ruled out that the blades themselves are somehow connected to the dragon's return. We have recently obtained solid information that Esbern is still alive and hiding somewhere in Riften. Interrogation of possible eyewitnesses is ongoing. We must proceed carefully to avoid Esbern becoming alert to his danger. If he is indeed in Riften, he must not be given an opportunity to flee. So, and as we know, interest, interesting to note that Cloud Ruler Temple has been destroyed by the time Skyrim comes out. Yeah, and it's obviously uh, a place uh, that that is that's where the blades are right here in, in, in Oblivion, right? It's Cloud Ruler Temple. Yep. You get to go see it. So, yeah. Well, maybe not today because you're not high enough level, but right, <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, I'll tell you what, though, high enough level to slaughter some mud crabs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there he is. I knew there was a mud crab coming after me. Um, every single time I come out of these sewers, man, you know, and and it's it's here for the, for that reason, and it still gets me is that beautiful view. Yeah, you know, with Vilverin across and uh, the the water and the the hills, and I think those are the Jarrow Mountains back there. Uh, you're facing north. Yep. So those would be the Jarrow Mountains in the north. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. This the orange road that you see uh, going up. I believe that's the orange road. Uh, I don't have the map in front of me, and I don't have it memorized. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I, I don't know. I don't know who else would. So. <laughs> Uh, let me just take a quick look. Uh, we got the Red Ring Road. Yep, that's the Orange Road. That's it right there. And it, you can always pick out the Orange Road because it's the one with all the trees on it that look like they're in perpetual uh, fall. Right there. Yeah. Orange Road. All right. Uh, where else are we uh, with uh, with this? We we did Delphi. We did Esbern. Who else? That is the end of the lore, and we are on to our fast question. All right. Well, uh, real quick before uh, we we do that, we want to thank everyone for uh, coming out tonight and and being with us in in our chat room. Uh, so far, hopefully, everyone is enjoying the uh, the show. Uh, we also want to thank uh, TweakedAudio.com for sponsoring our show as well. Uh, TweakedAudio.com is a website where you can go and get some really awesome uh, headphones. Earbuds, to be exact. Uh, and uh, I say really awesome because, yes, of course, they sponsor the show. But they sponsor the show because their product is so good. Uh, they, uh, we, we, have, we have allowed them the honor for so many years <laughs> to, uh, to sponsor us. Um, really, just their, their, uh, their headphones are uh, a very, very, very high quality. And... Um, I, I purchased, uh, just as a test, um, a pair of Sony headphones that are roughly about the same price point as uh, tweaked audio headphones. So around $30. I got them at Best Buy. Um, these Sony headphones are nice, okay, but they do not. Uh, they do not have the quality and the uh, clarity as the tweaked audio headphones do. And this is Sony. I, I kid you not. Okay, I wouldn't bring it up if it wasn't true. Okay, uh, but it is. It is. Uh, it is my observation. It is. It is the truth uh, that uh, tweaked audio headphones are still uh, the best in sound quality, clarity, and durability. Uh, what I dislike about these these Sony headphones um, is that they are not as durable. They don't have that nylon cord on them that tweaked audio headphones do. And uh, the sound uh, clarity on it is not as it's not as crisp as as the tweaked audio headphones are. It's close. It is close. Like I said, it is the same price point, around thirty dollars. Um, but it is uh, not exactly not exactly there. So um, I do think that they are comparable. All right, but I I think that the tweaked audio headphones uh, have an edge on these Sony's in durability and sound clarity. Not only that, but when you order from Tweaked Audio, all right, no matter where you live, they're going to send them to you for free. So it's that $30 price point or whatever, however much you choose to spend at Tweaked Audio. And um, it's it's just that plus tax. They're not charging you shipping on top of it. And that's worldwide free shipping that you get over there. We've got a deal for you. 33% off with our code off the record. All one word off the record just type it right on in at checkout 33 percent off comes off your entire order it's not like you're choosing one to have the 33 percent off and you bought others it's no it's the entire order so the more you buy the more you save you get the 33 percent off with our code off the record you get an extremely uh great sounding highly durable product shipped to you for free as well and as the icing on the cake They've got a, uh, a limited lifetime warranty. If anything breaks on your headphones, email them, call them. Hell, even tweet them. All right? They'll set something up with you. They'll talk to you about it. They'll likely replace your uh, your headphones 
for free over at tweakedaudio.com. Don't forget that code off the record, all one word, at tweakedaudio.com, and you'll save 33% off, free shipping, limited lifetime warranty, and like I said, a fantastic product that I have yet to find better out there on the market. They got some new ones. I'm on their page right now. Yeah. Because uh, I've got the hedge guns in my ear right now, those sports earbuds. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they've got the PBI7s, which are Bluetooth without a cord. Uh, so they're equivalent to the iPod uh, How or the iPhone those? ones. And those are $79.95 for those. Uh, I'm going to buy for, those. Yeah. I'm going to buy and those. And then I scrolled down a little bit and they got the PB3, which are equivalent to the, uh, um, the white ones with the cord that used to come with your iPhone. Uh, with the microphone and the plus minus uh, uh, sound adjuster, yeah, which it really makes me excited because those are like forty or fifty dollar uh, earbuds if you buy them from Apple uh, to get the up and down adjusters. Because I still use an old iPod uh, for most of my music, and so having the ability to increase and decrease the volume uh, at the at my you know my chin level is really nice. It's something that uh, I've been waiting for them to have for a while, so I'm excited about that. I'm probably going to get a couple pairs of those. Yeah, I actually bought these Sony's in Best Buy um, because I was looking for uh, I was looking for uh, headphones that um, uh, what do you call it the um, Bluetooth headphones that you're talking about. Yep. I was actually looking for those, um, but I don't have an iPhone. I have an Android. So uh. the um, what do you call it the uh, the iTunes, uh, the the the, I, the Apple ones are about seventy something dollars, and obviously I can't buy those because I don't have an Apple. Yeah, because they only work with an Apple iPhone. Right, and then the other ones that they had there, I couldn't trust them because I've never heard of, I, I never heard of these things before, and I don't buy Skull Candy at all. Like they're yeah. Skull Candy's garbage. And they have another Bluetooth one here, uh, the Heller, which are forty nine ninety five, and this is the one that both earbuds are connected to a single cord. Um, let's see if they got any information. Uh, well, um, long story short, Bluetooth. <laughs> long story short, uh, just you know, not not to continue with the ad, but but I mean, this is some really great information that you know the mic is is pulling up for us, and um, you know the uh, the normal. What do you call it? The uh, the normal uh, the normal price over there is around thirty something dollars. Obviously, you could spend more to get uh, different types of uh, headphones, okay? Um, in in there, but the, you could see like they're they're comparable to what's already out there in the market, which you're already purchasing out there. And I'm telling you, take my word for it, please. If you don't like them, you can return them. I'm telling you, these are going to be the best headphones that you ever have. You will continue to go there because their headphones are that great. Yeah, when I buy a new one, it's usually for an upgrade, not because I'm replacing. You know. Yeah. I've bought a number of uh, headphones from them, and it's always been because I've upgraded from an older pair that uh, they had to a newer version. Like the hedge guns that I'm working with right now right. are sport ones. They have uh, molded ear plug parts and a microphone attachment. So that, you know, if I go running, they stay in my ear versus uh, some of the Californias or the parkours had a tendency of falling out because of the shape. They weren't really meant for runners, but they still had great sound quality. And I could use them, you know, when I was listening at home and just wanted to be quiet. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. And, you know, they also come with uh, extra sized gels. You know, what I used to do with the parkours was I used to put the oversized um, gel heads 
mm-hmm. in there, and I found that that worked a little bit better for me too, because I used to go jogging with them all the time. So I, I, I hear you on that one. Okay, so I think yeah. we're ready for our fast question then. Absolutely. All right, guys. So here it is, with the mobile game Blades. Relying on a settlement building mechanic to recruit quest givers, Zoss's success in housing in Bethesda's Fallout 4, and the previews for Fallout 76. Do you think we're gonna? There's gonna be a large and robust housing system in a component in Elder Scrolls 6. And what do we want to see? And what do we hope never to see the light of day for Elder Scrolls 6? So, so question one. Uh, do we think that there's going to be a housing um, settlement building component in Elder Scrolls 6? Mike? Yes, I do. Yeah, so do I. It's, uh, I'd like to see what the, the chat room says about that. But tell me why you think so. So uh, it was one of those things that was highly requested when Skyrim came out that they have something. And they made that uh, expansion, Hearthfire, there. And you could build house the three houses and... Just make a couple of minor decisions as to what wings you wanted to put on them and what furniture you wanted to buy. But it was all, you know, pre-generated, pre-posted. Um, many of the mods that came out afterwards were literally, you know, people's take on how to build a better house. And um, yeah, um, it, it was uh, hugely popular. When housing came out for ESO... Uh, it really changed the way people were spending their cash because they could, you know, money sink in-game gold into these houses, but they could also then charge for, you know, blueprints or for furniture or, you know, specialty items that you wanted to place. And a large number of people have houses and the custom customization of those houses where you can place items anywhere you want in any position, upside down if you want. Uh, beds hanging from the ceiling that you know really changed a lot of things and I think a lot of people were really happy with the way Zoss implemented it now in Fallout I've heard the complete opposite so many people got just fatigued by the settlement building in Fallout 4 where every time you turned around you would get a message that your settlement was under attack and you know you need to come back and defend the settlement and help the settlement and blah 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 that it, it overtook the game so you know I think though we've seen some type of settlement or settlement building or housing component in each of the last three major um, games associated with um, with Zoss. And then with the previews of what we've seen from for at, at the three with the mobile game now having a settlement component and 76 having, you know, build your own settlements and then nuke, you, nuke then nuke your friends settlements with the launch codes. Um, I think we're really going to probably see something in Elder Scrolls 6. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, I'll tell you what. I don't. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it at all. Um, Nothing at all? Not at all. And and if if we do see it, if it's a part of the game, it's something that I, I don't want tied to my character at all whatsoever. I do not want to be forced into that gameplay like I felt I was forced in 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 Fallout. I did a um I did a uh, I did a little bit I started a, a playthrough of Fallout without doing the settlement thing. And it just felt like I was abandoning those people 
and I'm not doing what what I should be doing in this game in order to really fulfill all of like I guess uh, my requirements to play the game. Um, it, it just kind of felt like that. I, I know it's sort of like a like a whiny thing to say because I do have the freedom to just ignore that. Um, I, it just it felt shoehorned in, and it felt shoehorned in in Hearthfire. Uh, in fact, it was because it's a DLC, which is what DLC is. <laughs> Um, and I, I, it just, it just felt, it, first of all, it was so clunky in, in Skyrim, in Skyrim's Hardfire, it was just awful. Uh, but that being said, uh, I really don't think that Elder Scrolls is, is for, is for that. Um, there's a component to us that, that wants to put down roots in, in an Elder Scrolls game, but... That's kind. Oh, that was amazing, huh? You had like, like no hit points left at all, and you still killed everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what you're referring to. <laughs> um, people still want to put down roots in Elder Scrolls games. Uh, that's I, I kind of see that being done very, very well in Elder Scrolls Online. Um, and there's a massive like MMO social component uh, to that that I don't think you're going to get in Elder Scrolls Six. Elder Scrolls Six. I think the, the 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 majority of the fan base wants Elder Scrolls 6 to be an exclusive single player game. We don't want co-op. We don't want uh, multiplayer in Elder Scrolls 6 at all. I think that's the majority of, of Elder Scrolls fans. Okay, not mm -hmm. um, we've got the MMO for that, right? Yep. So who are you going to be sharing the house with? Uh, who's going to be going in there and checking stuff out? Uh, uh, if there's no single player component, if there's no multiplayer component to it, nobody. So then why are we doing this for ourselves? And then it, it tends to like, like you were saying in, in Fallout 4, it tends to overtake it. And there were fans. There were fans, massive fans of of it in uh, in Fallout. But it's, it just felt like so much of the gameplay had to revolve around it because it seemed like it was a system that was seeking to justify itself every single time you did anything in the game. Long story short, um, I think everyone wants to just continue to be that first-person, sword-wielding dungeon hobo that uh, we've all gotten used to in Elder Scrolls. What do you think about that, Mike? I don't know. I think, like a lot of people do like the housing if nothing else for the convenience of there's a place for you to dump all your stuff because you can't carry everything but we're all Skyrim hoarders and the number of like YouTube videos where like somebody fills a room with skeleton heads or fills a house with cheese just to crash the game engine from the physics right uh, you know they want to see stuff like that but I think aspects that uh, that they we do want to see are things like you know that you can place a chair somewhere and it's where you want it to be, not where, you know, the game decides to put it. And you don't have to download a, uh, a mod to change where you're going to place your chairs. Um, that if you buy a house, it's going to be a pre-generated house, but maybe you can generate a settlement. I've got a mod that allows me to take the Hearthfire houses and they get placed in an actual settlement. And uh, so there's out buildings and there's a wall that fortifies it and you can hire guards to be in the, the settlement um, so that you don't have to come back and fight the giant or fight you know uh, the wolves that show up or the bandit um, 
you know, the, there are people that really do enjoy the, the you know, I'm going to, you know, get a wife and kids to live in my settlement and, um, you know, that kind of aspect that was in Skyrim. I just think, like, they want a little bit more customization and freeformness um, available in their gameplay. And I, I hope that they go with that and not, like, you know, you have to save the entire province and, you know, have them living in your house. <laughs> yeah. I mean, storage is one thing. Uh, you don't you don't need to build an entire uh, you know you don't need to build an entire town uh, in order to have good storage in in a single player Elder Scrolls game. Yeah. Um, at all, you know, I, I really honestly believe that uh, if you have if you if you have um, a, a, a housing system, okay, where you know you just buy the house. Or, or maybe, maybe there's a a, a very like um, no pressure um, sort of thing where you, you can build a house, but it's it doesn't require a whole lot of time and, and energy uh, for storage. You know, I, you know that I guess that's fine. Uh, I'll, I'll never interact with it, but this is what mods are for. Yeah, I, I did mods... like you know what they did with like the, the Dark Brotherhood, where after the completion of the Dark Brotherhood quest, you got a like a master bedroom in the new sanctuary. Um, the only thing I would say is it would be nice if that wasn't the end of like the storyline at that point in time, and you get like just you know the the really poorly done, you know oh you know the Night Mother tells you to go out and you know kill off this person you know random stranger X. Um, it'd be nice if, like, after you complete the dark or the um, thieves guild stuff, if like you got a, a special room in the thieves guild that you got to run operations out of and decorate. Uh, the same with like when you become the harbinger of um, yeah. the you know the companion. So just stuff like that, where it's not only the houses that are yours, but right, you know, like with your special guild status that uh, it's recognized and you get a special room, the headmaster's room of the College of Winterhold. Um, you know, just things like that where it, there's a little bit more customization. Yeah, that, that, I, would, that I would agree with. That, that's, that's cool. Um, but again, I mean, this is, this is what mods are for. And, yeah. and I understand that, uh, you know, for a long time, uh, consoles did not have access to, to modding. I think that's going to be changing. Obviously, it changed with Skyrim on the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox. Um, they do now have access to modding, and on top of it, now there's there's a uh, there's a whole like creation store there too, where uh, you know uh, player created uh, housing is is, uh, is is available through there. I just don't see why significant development time and resources needs to be uh, dumped into a system for housing and housing creation in order to make uh, Elder Scrolls 6. I, I really think uh, we, that we've seen, we've gone down this road already with, with Skyrim's Hearthfire, with Elder Scroll, uh, with uh, Fallout 4, and now Fallout 76, which is, you know, co-op game. I think we've gone down this road already, and I, I, I tend to think that for Elder Scrolls fans, um, most of them uh, prefer to just kind of leave. I mean, what do you think, chat room? What, what, what are they saying? I haven't been able to really look. Uh, so let's see. Uh, 
Yes, I would love sediment building within ES6 and I can't read is it Gilga Gilgamesh. The color that they chose is a really horrible color. Um, uh, I do not want peeps or non-player characters wrecking my house, uh, and that's from Istanbul. Um, I want a dog or a cat. Uh, I remember loving building my library up in Oblivion uh, from uh, Mebsada13. Um, hello, I'm back. I'm here. Uh, yeah, so it seems like there, there are some people um, that do like the blueprint idea. Um, uh, Gnome Saiyan here said, would love to be able to build up each faction's headquarters. And yeah, I do like that concept. And yeah. I think they did a really good job with the Knights of the Nine quest here in Oblivion, yeah. where you get to recruit people to the Knights of the Nine. And, uh, you know, I think after you become the head of some of these, that would be some nice radiant quest is to go out and recruit people to join your faction and rebuild the faction up. Like when the Dark Brotherhood is destroyed, there's really only three of you. Yeah. And four, depending on if you keep Cicero alive or not, which I know that you don't. Um, <laughs> but it'd be nice to be able to go out and actually recruit not just Dark Brotherhood assassin, but like actual like named non-player characters and get them trained and send them out on missions to do stuff. Uh, maybe join them on a mission and, you know, see them living in the house and uh, you know faction headquarters build up you know more of the companions that aren't werewolves build up more thieves in the thieves guild I mean you do have that one part there where every time you complete um, one of the city quest zones and you complete all the things in the city that a new merchant will show up in the thieves guild um, but it'd be nice to see more of like that kind of stuff I think more than um, you know a, a giant settlement that you're the leader of that you know that's where all of your stuff comes from i'd like it to be built in better into a faction storyline so if you decide not to play the thieves guild well guess what you know the thieves guild never comes back to prominence the thieves guild you know you don't have to recruit from them you don't keep getting more radiant quests from them uh you don't recruit more named characters into the thieves guild but you know i i feel like from what I've seen from Fallout playthroughs and talk to people, it seems like it's so integrated into the gameplay that it overtakes the gameplay. Yeah. I, I, hey, listen. Maybe, maybe I've, you know, maybe I've got, maybe I've got my finger. Uh, maybe I don't have the finger, uh, my finger on the pulse in the community on this. You know, uh, if if Elder Scrolls fans overwhelmingly want that sort of thing, you know, and I'm just not seeing it, well then, well then there it is. So be it. But. Uh, you know, I just hope that um, no matter how big or small that a housing system is in the game, that they obviously uh, give me the option to just ignore it outright, because I absolutely will be ignoring it outright. I yeah. do not want to build a house. I do not want to build a settlement. I do not want... I don't want any of that. I want I want to equip a sword, a shield, heavy armor, and go into dungeons and wreck face. Yeah, and as a, a role player, sometimes, like, city life is actually really nice. Or, like... You know, an out of a little farm that your character retires to after their adventuring days. You know, just little things that I think are, are kind of things that many role players get into. Oh yeah, yeah. Like uh, I said, you know, Breeze Home in Skyrim is is fantastic. You know, um, uh, the other place that's in uh, Solitude, uh, the I forget the name of it all the time, Proud Spire Manor. Yeah. Um, it's fantastic. I love it. I I love that. But I I don't want to. I don't want to spend time feeling like I'm tied down to it. I don't want to spend time feeling like, um, you know, I have to 
I have to go there for whatever reason. It's there as a roleplay option for me and nothing more. Yeah. And like right now I'm doing the survival playthrough and one of the things that I've always um, uh, been a big fan of with the, the game is how far can you actually walk in a day? And it should feel like, you know, when you're in Skyrim, you're traveling from one city to the next, that if you want to go from Markarth to, to Riften, you don't just go from Markarth to Riften. You don't get on the, the cart and just disappear to Riften. But, you know, the travel has to take you along certain paths because you need to have a place to sleep. You need to have a place that is secure, you know, outside of the wild. Or you have to set up and camp like a ranger and, uh, you know, rest and recover. And having housing allows you to really have that option of I don't have to spend gold to stay at an inn or, you know, my house is along the way here. or This farmstead that I, you know, have is along the way and I can stop there and rest for the night. So I do like having that kind of like playability in my game yeah okay um, Ooh, repair hammers <laughs> oh yeah yeah i'm a i love repair hammers uh what do we want to see and what do we hope never to, okay so i think i think we've touched on this quite a bit but uh just just so with the questions out there uh what do you want to see and what do you want what do you hope never sees the light of day in elder scrolls 6 so yeah, in terms of the housing, uh, I really hope that we get custom customization, that you get to place a chair wherever you want, and not just any chair, but like what we've seen with ESO, where you get to, you know, a selection of different chairs that you can put in your house. Same with beds or, or other types of furniture. Uh, so I want to see customization so that you can really role play your house the way you want and take screenshots and share them with your friends. Kind of like, you know, when this podcast first came out and everybody was like comparing what they did because it was like so much fun <laughs> that, uh, you know, you don't, ha you, the description of what's in your house and, you know, the, sh the sharing of images was very important to Skyrim, I think. Yeah. What I hope we never see, sees the light of day is required missions that in order to get, you know, to, you know, like, you know, you get a, the courier showing up, you know, for your eyes only. Oh, your house is under attack. Come back to your house, you know, to, to save. The, you know, no, I don't want to see that kind of shit. You know, if my settlement has guards there and it's under attack, those guards had better do their job. They don't need me there, you know, to come fix their problems. Right. Agree and agree on both. Um, I also don't. I, I th Look, number one thing I don't want to see in Elder Scrolls Six is a voice protagonist. <laughs> I, I don't want to see it. It was good to try it. It really, really was. And the voice acting was very, very good. However, I just don't feel like that's Elder Scrolls. I don't even feel like that's... That's Bethesda. That's That doesn't... It didn't feel right. Um, They did a wonderful job. But it just didn't feel like a Bethesda. It felt like a Bioware game. If yeah. I want to play a Bioware game, I'll play a Bioware game. I'll play Swotor. Which is not really a Bioware game anymore, but they did build it. <laughs> uh, I'll play. I'll play Knights of the Old Republic. Okay, Bethesda, you're not Bioware, and we don't want you to be. And and you know you're not. Um, let's, you know, the voice protagonist. I I feel uh, a lot of a lot of the community uh, in and and Fallout Four. They they just um, they they. It just it was just too jarring. And, um, you know, let's, yeah. let's just not do that, please. 
The other thing is, um... Yeah, just don't force me into settlement stuff. Uh, if it's there, I just I just don't want to be forced into it. You know, like Mike is saying, I, I completely agree with you on that. I couldn't agree more. So... I guess that's kind of where I'm at with that. You know, not Can to Can we go back to point. the point in time where, you know, orcs weren't a playable race? I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm super excited that, that Blades has that Oblivion UI sort of feel, right? Yep. Okay. They've got some good graphics, kind of like Skyrim with some of, like, the Draugurus and stuff. But uh -huh. it definitely has... Yeah, it definitely has a Oblivion style or feel to it. Yes, it really does. And I really loved it seeing that. I was so excited because that makes me think like, okay, Bethesda gets it. Bethesda understands that um, Elder Scrolls needs to sort of feel a certain way. You know, it's got to be, you know, rustic and, and old and decayed a little bit and, and musty. Uh, it needs to it needs to be you know shiny with a little bit of decay on the corners, um, you know lots of lots of uh, you know lots of lots of wood and parchment scroll work feel and I, I want to feel like I'm flipping the pages and I want to feel as if I'm smelling the must coming out of the book. That's <laughs> Elder Scrolls. I think though it also helps that. Some of the pictures we've seen so far, like with your settlement that you're rebuilding, is that um, your character is a blade and he's returning after the Great War. And the images that we've seen are very reminiscent of either like Chaden Hall area or uh, up in Wayrest. That it, it gives this feeling that you, the settlement that you're building is a rebuilding of... Um, architecture that is very reminiscent of those areas so it, it gives me like the, the feeling that this is like rebuilding of Chaden Hall almost after the war oh, that's interesting uh, Molon Lab is saying and we need Jeremy Soul to do the soundtrack <laughs> okay if you follow Jeremy Soul's Twitter account I think uh, first of all I don't think Bethesda has approached him yet but he has said that he would love to go back to Tamriel. He said that on Twitter, I think, last week. Yeah, I remember seeing that uh, tweet. Right. That he says he has one more Elder Scrolls game in him. Right. And uh, I, I would... Uh, <sighs> uh, that would be amazing. That would be so amazing. It would be... It would be great. It really would be great. And... Um, I know, uh, I really believe that, that Bethesda loves working with him. Um, and I think, I think that all of the, all of the wants and needs and desires on both party parties are there in order for that to be a dream come true for, uh, for Elder Scrolls fans. I believe, uh, that he is going to be a part of Elder Scrolls six. Um, so long as, you know, Everything meets, you know, what, what uh, Jeremy Soule and what Bethesda needs out of it. I don't think they approached him yet. But um, I do believe that they both want to be a part of the, the project together. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, and it was, it was really great getting that confirmation from him on Twitter saying that he, he's got one more game in him. That's a fantastic. It really is.
And I think he will be. I think he'll be a part of it. Yeah. If they approach him, I can't see him turning it down. All right. Um, well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, uh, time for a little listener feedback. Okay. And this one comes from um, our good friend Brendan Crow via Facebook, who says, uh, hello to the OTR crew. I am saying hello as I haven't reached, reached out to you in a good while. Unfortunately, life got in the way. Listening to the recent podcast and the coming of QGNCon 2018, I think back to my attendance of last year's QGNCon. I was so delighted to be in New York at the same time and meet up with you folks. It was brilliant to meet you all and to be able to put faces on the voices. I immensely enjoyed the madness of QGTND session and the recording of the ESOTR podcast. I got a mad blast listening to it back in Ireland. Do you guys ever notice that your own voice differs drastically from your recorded one? I, I, sounded, <laughs> I sounded like a freak. What I remember most fondly is the massive heart you showed in the welcome you gave everybody attending. I recall it every time I listened to your recordings. I could still taste that wonderful New York pizza. Unfortunately, I will be unable to attend this year. To make up for this massive loss, I will be going to Gamescom 2018 in Cologne, Germany, and then Paris for three days. I'll send you a postcard. A quick aside: a grand uncle of mine immigrated to New York in uh, to immigrated to New York in 1912, enlisted in the New York Fighting 69th Battalion when the United States entered World War One, embarked to France in 1917, and was sadly killed in action. None of my relatives in Ireland or the United States have ever visited his grave. I mean to write this and honor him, hence my visit to Paris. Avarwin, if you're reading this out, I urge anybody listening who can get to QGNCon 2018 to do so. You will not be disappointed, and you will be heartily welcomed. Buy those tickets, buy, book those flights, and book the hotel, folks. <laughs> Um, and he goes on to say, I, I have still been tipping away at ESO. Despite life stuff, I always made some time to escape to Tamriel. I am loving the Somerset chapter and have just finished the main quest. The storytelling was engaging, exciting, and well-structured. In my opinion, I would rank it as good or as better as the base game quest. The way it brought together the myriad storylines and strands of the base game, DLC, chapter quests, and ESO lore together was a sign of inspired and confident storytellers. The end of the quest was final in terms of what happened to you and other characters involved. When the quest was over and I was leaving the building, some guard NPC dialogue was triggered. I listened and found the book they referenced. Oh, good Jesus, I shed a tear. It was a wonderful statement of friendship and loss. Note that it was uh, that it was spoiler-free. Somerset is beautiful. The game design is of impressive quality. I have a dark confession to make, though. I think Valserin is hot. <laughs> Pure milf. <laughs> I was not happy when the husband, Lathan, returned to Artaeum. <laughs> I'll say no more. I know I'm a sick puppy. Did anybody else notice <laughs> near the end of the main quest, the dog, <laughs> the dog licking himself? <laughs> well, I did, and I'm scared for life. I took a screen. I took a screenshot. 
I'm delighted to hear that QGTND is, is making a comeback. I'll miss Mark as I thought he was a wonderfully witty and inventive DM. Best of luck to the new crew. Thanks for all the good work. Brendan Crow via Facebook. <laughs> oh man. Um what a what a great uh what a great uh email that uh Brendan sent us on Facebook. Yeah. Um Mike, some of your reaction on that. Uh, I have been enjoying more and more of the Somerset stuff. The side quests really have made it feel more like an Elder Scrolls game than any of the stuff prior. Uh, I'm still not overly happy with, you know, Razumdar not recognizing who I am, but I'll get over that. Uh, I have not gotten to the end of it yet, so I can't comment on, you know, anything that has happened at the end or the dog licking itself. (laughs) (laughs) No, No comment there. As for uh, Valsarion, you know, I am still a huge fan of uh, the assassin uh, from the Morrowind chapter myself. So, <sighs> ah, yes, that's right. Oh God, what was her name? Um, the Dark Elf Girl. Yes. Yeah. I'm trying to, to pull it up now, and I can't remember it. Uh, oh man. You know we got it. We've got to find this before we close out the show because yeah. otherwise we're going to be screaming at these, our, our radios while listening back on it later. Uh, Nar you, Nar you, yes, Nar you. That's it. Thank you, chat room. Thank you, Gilgamesh. You know when you, you say something and you you draw a mind blank. Yep, that was what was going on. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, me for a fair bit of the show today, for sure. Um. So yeah, folks. Uh, for, so thank you, Brendan, for for the the, the nice massive plug of QGNCon uh, 2018. Tickets are still on sale at QuestGamingNetwork.com. Uh, we are having it. Uh, was it uh, July? July 23rd. Let me just double check. Uh, which is a uh, we're having it on one of the last days of uh, one of the last uh, Saturdays in July. Yeah, July 28th. July 28th, it is a Saturday. It's going to be going from uh, 3 p.m. till midnight in New York City's uh, Baseball Center. And, uh, yeah, QGNCon 2018. Uh, if you get a ticket, uh, you will secure uh, you'll secure your spot and, of course, a, uh, uh, an exclusive tw- uh, QGNCon 2018 uh, T-shirt. Only for people who purchase tickets. Uh, this way I know exactly how many to buy and I don't overbuy like I did last year. (laughs) (laughs) I still have a massive box of QGNCon 2017 shirts, which, um, I will be giving away to, uh, to folks at, uh, at this year's QGNCon 2018. So, uh, just to, I mean, honestly, just to get rid of them because I, I promised I wouldn't sell them. So I'm not going to sell them, but, uh, I can't (laughs) I can't see donating them either because uh, I don't know how I'm going to feel one day if, you know, some, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm walking You're around. You're arresting and... somebody? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll love it. I'll love it to death, you know, but uh, the fact is I want some actual QGN fans to actually possess the shirts first before some crackheads get them. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, you said you were going to send me one. I'm still waiting. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I'll send you a bunch, man. Not a bunch. <laughs> I'll, I'll, send you, I'll send you a whole gift box. 
why are you wearing that same shirt for the fifth day in a row? It's a different shirt. It's the same one, but it's a different shirt. It's, it's, it's I've got ten of them. <laughs> I thought he sent me ten. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, uh, this is this is the end of our show. Um, and uh, thank you for uh, for listening and for downloading. For those of you who have uh, can't come into our our stream. Uh, thank you for, for being here as well. We greatly appreciate you being here. And uh, all of the uh, the wonderful um, support that we, we had today as well from some of our listeners. Uh, final thoughts, starting with Mike. I am looking forward to the Blades uh, on mobile. Uh, it's probably going to destroy my battery on a regular basis, but I'll still play it as much as I possibly can. Mm, amen to that. Likewise. Um, yeah, so, so, um, so, uh, next week we're going to have, uh, Elder Scrolls off the record. And, uh, so look forward to that. <clears throat> um, if you enjoyed this show, you can, you'll probably enjoy some of our other podcasts here at Quest Gaming Network, such as Elder Scrolls off the record. Episode 211 is live and we'll be doing 212 next week. Uh, Quest Gaming Dungeons and Dragons is making a comeback. I do believe, uh, they recorded a session last night. Uh, so we'll uh, I'll have to uh, I'll have to get with the, the the brand new cast and see how how that's going. So uh, look forward to that coming uh, coming coming soon coming soon. Uh, Quest Gaming Magic: The Gathering. Uh, so so uh, yeah, that is a show that we do here on 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 the network. However, uh, one of our guys unfortunately is a computer took a little poo poo. <laughs> so uh, it's gonna be uh, we'll be coming back with it, but it's gonna be a little while. Uh, so we're, we're sort of waiting on that. And um, we do lots of live streams here on uh, questgamingnetwork.com, so uh, be sure to subscribe to us here on Twitch, twitch.tv slash questgamingnetwork. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow Mike at KDRMickey. That's K-D-R-M-I-C-K-E-Y. Um, and follow our show at Elder Scrolls OTR on Twitter. We're also on Facebook at Elder Scrolls Off the Record. Classic Elder Scrolls is a Quest Gaming Network production, and we mightily and heartily thank all of you for listening, downloading, and subscribing. Take care, everyone. Be safe, and may the foos be with you. Oh, no!